Thank you, everybody. Used I come to Bell Corner almost two years ago. We just recently moved the area. I didn't know where I was going to go, what to do, but I was living in Deborah Hills and I'd been looking after an old gentleman over there for three and a half years. He passed away and I found myself I could stop on so I rented a place out for them and time was coming close. I thought, well, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? So the family I looked after, he was a Christian. The family were all Christians. So we prayed about it together and lo and behold, his sister rang me up and says, Murray, there's a place just around the corner here. So I had a look at it. Oh, yeah, it felt nice, looked good. So the day of the inspection, it was at half past two. I was thinking, this is brilliant. I've got to be at work at three o'clock. It takes half an hour to get to work from here. The real estate turned up five minutes before. I, oh, beauty, thank you, Lord. So we looked in, yes, nice place, yes. We took it, yes. Then this sister introduced us to Cavell. I didn't know anything about this place. So from there, we'd been going there for several months. Then lo and behold, my son. And it passed away <laughs> suddenly. And I'm thinking perfectly. <laughs> but Glenn held the funeral for us. I didn't know where to go, what to do, but Glenn was there for us a whole step of the way. <sighs> and I've been busy working, I work as a carer. I work for recovery community care, so I help people in their own homes. So yeah, I help people in their own homes. It's a very demanding job. And in the meantime, in my spare time, I do a bit of sewing and also a bit of gardening. I was a machinist before I became a carer. And I still do a bit of that work from time to time. I'm busy yesterday doing curtains for my sister's partner. <laughs> and I'm supposed to be on holidays and I find them busy as. So I enjoy a bit of babysitting when I've got time too. I don't do much of it these days, but I used to do a little bit of it from time to time. I'm just thankful to be here. The Lord brought me here for some reason, you know. I just hope to be a blessing to you guys, that you'll be a blessing unto me. Thank you. Thanks, Mary. Um, Mark and I have worked on his story. Uh, Mark just um, doesn't want to... Um, get up the front at the moment but we've uh, worked through a bit of his story and he wanted me to share um, his story with you today and it's been a joy um, to get to know Mark and to for him to be willing to share his story with us and he wanted you to hear this this morning so Mark grew up in Sydney 
and uh, he was part of a family that was pretty broken and there was uh, a lot of alcoholism and it was uh, a, a tough life for him early on. His dad died when he was seven and he had uh, lots of responsibilities in that place for many years. In uh, his 20s and 30s, Mark uh, joined the railways and worked in the railways in Sydney and that uh, environment led him to a place of um, binge drinking and drug use. And his life uh, there was yeah, pretty hard at that time. In 1990, a friend of his invited him along to hear uh, a guy called Barry Smith, an evangelist, an end-time prophet, and um, who was running something up in Sydney. And so Mark went along, and during that time, um, the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he was convicted to actually go forward and get prayer. At that place, in that meeting, he uh, received prayer and he prayed himself um, the classic sinner's prayer. But he says that while he was doing this, the Holy Spirit came on him and he ended up just sort of weeping for half an hour or more. And as he was doing this, he had a sense of uh, the bad stuff coming out of him. Um, Pretty well from that day on, he stopped drinking and drug taking and he said it wasn't hard. It was like a spiritual transformation had occurred in his life. He stepped into a new life and attended a church in Sydney uh, and he began reading the Bible and praying. He uh, did some street evangelism with the church and stuff up there and was keen to bring the message of Jesus to his workplace. But you could imagine the railways in Sydney were not a place that was uh, greatly accepting of Jesus and people who wanted to speak to them about Jesus. And it was a pretty rough time for him. One of the things Mark told me, he said, one of the toughest guys that he experienced in the railways, later on, many years later on, he found out that that guy actually came to Christ and became a Christian. And uh, it was a reminder of God's grace in the work or, or, of work amongst um, all sorts of people. Uh, in 1997, um, Mark met um, people from the Fruitful Vine Church and um, that led him to deal with some um, issues in his life and received a lot of ministry and help through that church. And in 2001, was led by God to come to Melbourne and so he came to Melbourne and joined uh, that church and was there, has been there, part of that church, for 19-odd years. And during that time, God has been at work in his life, restoring and uh, working in his life, shaping him as a follower of Jesus as he helped and served in different capacities uh, in that church. Mark is, and these might be my words, not his, a crossing supervisor extraordinaire, um, and he still uh, does that down Rover Way. Um, in recent times, God, again through a friend of his, um, led him to Cabell Corner. And through Cabell Corner, has come to know um, and develop relationships with people there. Um, and he just, when we were talking, he, he mentioned these people by name. And I thought that was important to do, the, of, of Andrew and Helen of Everard, of Roxanne, 
and even at Jenny, uh, Jenny of the Coffee Plus and the group of the people at Coffee Plus. Um, and over that time, um, he was led to be join us in services, get to know a bit about our church. And God uh, has been showing him that it was time for a change from his church. There was a few things happening there that uh, led him to explore what was the next step in his walk with Jesus. And it was to come and join One Hope Community Church. He enjoys the fellowship here with people. He loves um, the worship, preaching. He loves the people here, the accountability that it provides him. Uh, he wants to serve here. He likes to help out at Coffee Plus and other places too. And we're exploring what that might look like for him in the future. And Mark says that God continues to bring healing to him through this church. That Jesus continues to work in Mark's life through this church. And he wants to be part of this church uh, moving forward. Thanks, Mark. So at this time, I'm just going to ask Mark and Mari to come up and just to um, sign our partnership certificates, uh, just reminding us, um, like I said to you, that this is a partnership that we as a church committing to them and they're committing to becoming uh, uh, ministry partners in this church. So if you guys would like to come forward, and Mark, that one's yours. Ooh, I haven't signed it yet. I better do that. See it again. We have these partnership certificates and we ask people to sign them because there is this sort, of, sort of this sort of something symbolic in actually writing down and committing to um, a church family. It's almost like a marriage, isn't it? Whew. It's a bit like that. You're married to us now. No, that's good. Um, let me just finish this time with a, a time of prayer. So let's pray. Pray with me. Lord and God, we thank you and praise you um, that you are our Father and that we are your children, and that together we are your family. We are family together. Lord, we thank you that you have brought into our uh, family today, Mark and Mari. Lord, we know that it hasn't just been today, that it's been a journey over the years. Thank you for the relationships that have formed, for the support that they've had, for the input that they've brought to us. I thank you for their love for you and their desire to follow you and to want to serve you. So Lord, I pray that as uh, a church community, as your people, that we would uh, encourage them, spur them on, keep them accountable, help them to move in following you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray too that you would use uh, their gifts, their talents, their skills to grow us and to encourage us and to build us up as your people. We thank you uh, that you have orchestrated uh, for us to be part of a church, be part of your people, to be part of a family, that we get to do life with you and with each other in this world. And we pray that you would continue to enrich us as your church, that you would continue to work by the power of your spirit to help us to love each other deeply so that the world will know that we are your disciples and that we will display your love, your grace, your mercy to a world that needs that so much. So Father God, we commit to you ourselves, your church, your people, 
And we ask for your power to come upon us that we may display your glory in all that we do. We pray for your blessing over all our ministries, over our relationships, over our connections into this community here in Scoresby and Knoxfield. Uh, Lord, we pray for our influence in our nation. We pray that you would use us to be a voice for the voiceless, to being hope uh, in this land that often seems so hopeless. Lord, we pray that you would uh, use us in this world to be proclaimers of your light and your mercy. Lord, throughout the earth, wherever you call us and lead us, we pray that you would use us. Thanks that Luke and Agnes and their family can be with us and we think of the work of um, Youth Support Uganda and, and Hope Builders and we pray that you would continue to use us in that realm. Lord, we pray that your name would be glorified through your church in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good. We are now going to read the Bible. So if you have your Bibles here, you can open them up or you can look up on the screen. I, we're going to be reading from 1 Timothy chapter 5. And I'm going to be reading from the old NIV because it's the only Bible I brought this morning. Sorry. I, I quite like it when someone reads from a different version and you're reading a different version. It just, you just, why do they, uh, just the way different people express things in the Bible. So let's have a read of this. 1 Timothy chapter 5 from verse 1. Do not rebuke an older man harshly or exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family, and so repaying their parents and their grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even when she lives. Give the people these instructions too so that no one may op be open to blame. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for their immediate family, they um, have denied the faith and it's even worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband and is well known for her good deeds such as bringing up her children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the saints and helping those in trouble and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. For younger widows... Do not put them on such a list, for when their essential desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus, they bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. 
And not only do they become idlers, but they also gossip and become busybodies, saying things that they ought not. So I counsel younger widows to marry and to have children and to manage their homes and to, and, uh, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have, been, have already turned away to following Satan. If any woman who is a believer has a widow in her family, she should help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. Whew. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Um, and Lord, when we read your word, uh, often we're confronted by it. And this passage again this morning, uh, we're confronted by it. And so as um, I go to preach on it, I just ask for the work of your spirit to speak through me. But I ask for your work of your spirit to uh, be at work amongst us. Give us understanding, give us insight, give us wisdom uh, as we wrestle with this passage and as we wrestle with um, who we are as your people. And so, uh, yeah, at this time, we just uh, humbly ask for you to come and speak to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, here goes. Uh, I'm going to treat the, um, the passage fairly broad, and I'll talk a little bit about the passage later on. Um, I want to start off. Um, I've been sitting there for a while. Just... Uh, for those of you who are at camp last week, we'll put the first slide up. Um, maybe just have a chat to the person next year. Just what was something that was a highlight from the camp last week? If you weren't at the camp, you can just maybe talk about a highlight from your week. If you're at a camp, what was a, a highlight? Hi, either a highlight of your week or a highlight from the camp. Just have a. It can be you can be husband and wife or your family. Okay, this was uh, our family photo that we took all dressed up in the same colour, which is very nice. Um, for me, it's been nice um, thinking about Partnership Sunday, thinking about this sermon, thinking about us as a church coming out of uh, camp last week, um, where we got to spend uh, the weekend together uh, as family. Um, and a number of times during the weekend, I uh, had this sort of experience of, uh, this is like an extended sort of family gathering, um, that we had sort of aunts and uncles, and that we have, you know, brothers and sisters, mums and dads, and um, it was really nice. A number of times I walked through the hall um, just after a meal, and we had these placemats, um, and place randomly placed people around tables uh, and the beauty that I had and I, I summed this up when I talked to um, people in the office this week for me the phrase was um, intergenerational oh I've forgotten what it was <laughs> Inter intergenerational interaction and as I walked through I saw lots of older people talking to kids and kids talking to teens and teens looking after little kids and uh, older people interacting with um, each other and it was this beautiful picture um, of sort of the extended family of people getting together. I, um, <laughs> I have this memory of um, 
doing tug of war together. And, you know, the young nephews and niece, no, it was nephews because it was guys, so all the young fellas letting go of the rope and all the old fellas falling on the ground <laughs> and them laughing their heads off and then a couple of the other aunties and uncles getting pretty angry <laughs> saying, you could have broken their hips. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? <laughs> and they were all sort of laughing and we are all sort of pulling ourselves off the ground. And uh, I just thought, yeah, it's sort of a bit of a picture of if you've ever been part of extended family sort of gatherings or you can imagine that or maybe seen it on movies or TV shows. Um, but I had this sort of, yeah, ex- I think that's sort of nice to come out of that experience of an intense time together, thinking about, and that's what we want to think about today, what does it mean for us to be the family of God together at One Hope? And something we talk a lot about and you hear a lot about, and um, if we are family, uh, what does that mean for us um, as the people of God, as for us at One Hope? And particularly as we talk about partnership, if we go to the next slide, um, that uh, in the, as we talk about partnership, we sort of explain some of who we are as a, as a church, um, that we use the language that we're a family, and particularly I think it comes out in this passage, but in lots of other passages, that uh, the people of God or the church is often seen as a family of families, um, that we have sort of family units that are part of a broader family and there's sort of interactions and, um, amongst uh, amongst families as they seek to uh, be the family of God. So did you get that sense in this passage? Because there were, there were the families that were called to care for their families as they're interacting in the broader family of church. And so um, I want us, and I've already done that as we've prayed, and I, I ask you to do that as I continue to uh, speak up the front, that you would be asking the Holy Spirit to ask you how to be uh, a better person in this family. What, what does ask the Holy Spirit to show you something this morning about how you could be a better brother or sister, better mother or father, or better son or daughter in One Hope community? So it's not just me giving you a whole lot of information. We're trying to interact with God and his spirit. And he said he will speak to us as we open his word. So just ask, how how are we going to do this better? Uh, Many of us uh, have grown up in this environment. So we've heard this sort of uh, language that we are um, family, we're people of God. It's one of the key biblical images of what the church is. So the the Bible gives us lots of sort of metaphors or symbols of how we are to be as a church. One of the key ones is that we're a family, a family, people of God. And you get that in this passage that we've just read. The language is brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, uncles, aunts. Well, they don't use that, but that idea. Um, And as we celebrate partnership today, I think it's good for us to think about what does that mean for us? So next question, uh, next slide. What's family? Because I think um, probably what we would describe as family is probably a little bit different to how the Bible talks about family. 
Um, and so I think I've, I've talked about this before in other times that we would probably, when we talk about family, probably boil it down to a family unit, people that live in the same house and a couple that are married or with children or without children or that sort of biological family unit. The Bible uh, very rarely refers to that as family. It more refers to extended family. So it's households, use the word language households. And people who lived in the households were often um, children, parents, maybe aunts and uncles, grandparents, but also um, house help, slaves, uh, or sometimes they would have aliens, um, you know, sorry, strangers, not just not extraterrestrial aliens, but um, stra- uh, people who they're offering hospitality to. And that was seen as the family. When you, you're there as family together, it's, it's a much broader understanding. And so I think that's what's nice for us when we interact as the church and coming off the church camp. That's probably more the image the Bible gives us of being the family, this sort of extended um, family. Um, and that happens both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see this idea of the um, broader um, sort of connectedness of what the family unit is. Um, but one thing it does do, and that's what's happening here this morning, it describes relationships in that family in the context of that biological group. So it talks about relationship between mother and daughter, father and son. It talks about children, parents, that sort of idea. And that, la- or brothers and sisters are the other one. So that is helpful for us to think about uh, as we're in that extended uh, family. What do our relationships look like with each of those people in our context? And that's what we get here this morning. We're, t- we're talking about um, sort of the, a relational aspect of uh, what it means to me to be part of the family. And Jesus does that himself, doesn't he? Uh, in, uh, there's a couple of times in the uh, Gospels where it's recorded. Uh, his biological family come to him and they ask him uh, to come out to him. And he says, um, no, I'm with my family. He says, the people who do the will of my father are my brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers. So he redefines what family is and he's talking about relational, family relationships and interconnectedness. People who have God as their father united as a family uh, under him. And so um, as we wrestle with that idea of being a family of families, I want us particularly to think about this morning, um, if we are family, uh, how are your relationships with your brothers and sisters? How are your relationships with your mothers and fathers? Or how are your relationships with uh, aunts or uncles uh, in this family here? Um, One of the things that we will see and as we wrestle with through this passage, the way that we, those relationships to affect us, uh, the Bible talks lots about how those relationships work. And you can go back to even, say, the Ten Commandments of honouring your parents, loving your children, teaching your children. And so what I want us to do this morning as we think is that rather than, I want you to think of specific people that you're sitting next to or that you've bumped into. Or maybe you could even think of, if Mari's coming into my church, what would it mean that she's my mother? 
she's my mother, how would I treat her? What would, how would that affect the way I relate to Mara as my mother? Or my Uncle Mark comes here. And how did, my, I, I'm now he's my uncle, my brother, my father. How does that affect the way that you relate to him? I've, of, I, I've often thought this. I, I had this with my uh, Kids Hope kid. Um, I, I often ask myself this question, and I had it again this week. If this kid was my son, what would I do for him? And, I, and I've, I've done it with lots of you <laughs> in this church. Oh, if, if he was my son or if he was my dad, how, would I, how does that affect the way... And I've actually found myself praying or I've actually... Because um, it's been in my mind this week, I, I bumped into Shri this morning. And I just said to her, because she was the auntie in the kitchen last week, cooking food, her and Tam, in the, at, the, um, at the camp. And I just, oh, I just said, thanks for cooking. <laughs> Such a good cook. It was really good. That, that my mum or my auntie would just... And that, that relational aspect that draws me to encourage her or to serve her or to um, build each other up. So just be thinking in those sorts of contexts. Um, We'll go to the next slide. The next thing that the Bible does, <laughs> which I like, is um, the Bible's pretty real about family. Uh, and that the family of God, as well as family units and extended families, uh, I started to write out a whole list of stuff. That family is messy, it's fun, it's broken, it's joyful, it's crazy, it's frustrating, it's wonderful, it's uncomfortable, it's comfortable, it's sad, it's happy, it's angry, it's celebrations, it's dysfunctional, it's sometimes functional. It's scary, it's safe, it's embarrassing, it's proud, it's loving, it's hurtful, it's cool, and it's not cool. Uh, it's freeing, it's sometimes a burden, it's sometimes a great, sometimes it's hard work. And you get the mess of what it means to be a people in a family. No. Do you know that in the Bible, there is not one example of a perfect family? <laughs> if you look at most of the biblical families, uh, they put your family to shame. Whatever happens in your family, they're usually broken, dysfunctional, messed up. You, know, you name the top 10 sins, they are rife through the families that are represented in the Bible, just as they are in ours. And the Bible's pretty real that um, in the midst of this being a family of families and interact with, that our relationships are broken and, broken and messy and stuff like that. But here's the thing, I, I, I where was this? Oh, I think it was through a Bunnings conversation. The people were talking about their family and they were just talking about the mess of their family. It was crazy, um, the mess of some of their families. And yet, at the same time, they spoke of their family in such a way as that they would do anything for them. And it's this idea, you know, the, the cliche of blood's thicker than water. <laughs> Often it's, you know, no matter what happens, there is this sense that we're family, we're together, we're united. And I, no matter what, and learning to live with each other through all of this um, is something that grows us. But it's also for us to be assured that it's God's spirit that will enable us to get through this. And I thought about um, a, a true family that displays who God is, is a family that can work through um, forgiveness, 
healing, reconciliation, broken relationships, a willingness to work together, even though we're so very different. Um, one of the things that I thought affects the way we view church and family is our families of origin. And you could have a look at all the different families that are represented here, and they all have very vastly different experiences. And those families of origin, uh, whether they're functional, dysfunctional, or any of will affect the way that you think about church, be affect the way you think about each other, often subconsciously. And so we have to ask God's Spirit to help us to love one another the way he intended as brothers and sisters, as mothers and fathers and children. Because our, um, our families will cha- change the way. And I think this is one of the, the key experiences that I've had in working in the church is... Uh, my family of origin will make me put expectations on the church, which are not necessarily good. <laughs> um, and it makes me think about, oh, yeah, well, what, why is it that I think that way? Uh, I, I wrote this down, which was sort of helpful for me. The story of the Bible, uh, of God and his people, is the rescue plan that is always done through broken and messed up families living in a broken and messed up world. And yet, through that whole course of history and through, you can look in through your your own lives, there's this sense that uh, God is still at work amidst our families and is using families to show himself to us and to display himself to the world. That's the beautiful story of God's grace through Jesus is that he gives us a new identity as the children of God, as the family of God. And it is his work of his spirit um, that works through us as a family. And I will do it again because I can't... But the work of his Holy Spirit in us as a family will give us the power to be gentle and kind and gracious and faithful and loving and (laughs) self-controlled. And so we need to keep asking, Spirit of God, make us more like you in the way we love each other as your family. And I think... Also, the other thing that broken families do is that they remind us that the world is not the way it's meant to be. That we actually have a longing that Jesus is going to come together and he's going to restore his family and people of God to perfection where we can relate to each other um, in that perfect way. Um, So just on today's passage, um, Paul is writing to Timothy who's uh, a young pastor in the church in Ephesus, and he's giving him instructions on how to do this thing, church, this, uh, to live out this church thing. Um, and there is this sense through the New Testament that they're trying to work out how to be church, how to be the family of God together. What's the nature of church relationships? And we get that in here. There's um, a fair bit of... Um, sort of cultural stuff here that I'm not going to sort of dig into a lot, but the idea that um, widows, particularly in that culture, were seen as some of the most needy and vulnerable of the time. There was no Centrelink or welfare workers, and so um, the call to care for the most vulnerable was first put on who? No, not the church. Family, that's right. So in here, because that's what we do sometimes. First responsibility was to their direct family, and then in the context of the broader family. So there were some of them that didn't have direct family, 
And so what does he say in here? He makes it pretty clear that what I want you to do is take responsibility for your family and to help them to be what they, so that the church can help those who are really in need that don't have any need. And we get that theme as we go through this, that we don't, I don't, want, we don't want to place burdens on the church that should be the responsibility of um, parents. So to treat each other as a family, members, mums, dads, sisters, brothers. Yeah, I've talked about that. Let's go to the next slide. Oh, yeah, okay. This one. To meet each other's needs. I put this one here. Children, grandchildren, put your religion or I put faith into practice by repaying your parents and your grandparents for this is pleasing to God. All parents want to read this to their kids. <laughs> but I thought of it in the context of um, us as a church family. Um, for those of us who have grown up in this church or been around this church for a while who have been under the care and teaching of youth or um, young adults or other ministry or life, I was thinking of oh, this week. Somehow I looked at the, there's this 25th anniversary clip that has some of the founding fathers and mothers, fathers and mothers talking about um, One Hope Church when it began. And I just thought, oh, honouring these guys and lady, ladies and men who have been part of this. And have I told them that? And have I encouraged them? And, and do I respect them for that? And do I honour them for that? Um, because I think this is what's interesting about that, is that it's pleasing to God. The way we interact, the way we serve, the way we relate to each other is our worship. It's actually what honours God and serves God. That we're not doing this so that we can have a good family or the church can be really great. We're actually doing this so that we can actually worship God and display his glory. Um. I just thought of this, he, he has a list there in the first few verses of chapter 5. He has a list of um, people that Paul talks to him about. Think about how you're going to relate to. And I just want to go through those and think about, for you guys to think about, we are family, we're family. How do I relate to older men? So you put yourself in that context. And he encourages to, he says, older men, I want you to exhort them as if you're, they're your father. When we think about how the Bible wants us to treat fathers with honour and respect. We want to see their well-being. We want to acknowledge them for who that. We don't want to, and I think of myself in you know, the way I treat my dad or have in the past, that I just want to put him in his place. I want to win the argument. I want to show him how outdated his thinking is. So as I was thinking about, if we're family, how am I relating to older men? How would I view my grandfather? How would I view my, my dad or my older uncle? What would I want to see from them? What would I say to them? How would I treat them? If I knew that my, I don't know, my older uncle was, my dad was, you know, he just he couldn't mow his lawn or something. Would I go and mow his lawn or... Or if I know he was doing it tough financially, would I, I'll, there's no way I'd let him be kicked out of his house. Or if, he was, if he was my dad, 
What about older women as mothers? That honour, respect. Do we recognise what they do? He, he talks in there about some of the things that mothers do. And so we are family. Think of the older women in our church today. What does God say to you about them? What would you do for them? If this is my mum or that was my aunt, what would, how would I treat them? What would I, or younger men as brothers. But I think this, for me, I, this mutual respect. Do I have a mutual respect and a, and a, a wanting my brothers and sisters to, f- or so we're talking about brothers, brothers to flourish. I was thinking about, uh, so easy, you know, as an older brother, you just want to ditch your younger brother, don't you? <laughs> they have no idea. They don't really know. I'm so much more mature than them. <laughs> but if I was to treat them as Christ treated me as his brother... That relationship that I have with Christ has now been fulfilled in such a way that I could treat younger men around me as my brothers. If we're family, what would that, how would I disciple them? Depending on God and praying, what would I pray for them? How would I help them to be a follower of Jesus? Younger women as sisters. He says, treat them with absolute purity. So this is written to Timothy, who's a man. And right from the beginning, there were the dangers there of sexual abuse. It's sort of what he's alluding to here. And we can think of the damage that that has done to the church and God's family over the years. Holy Spirit, help me to treat young women as sisters. To see them flourish, to be the younger women that you have called them to be. What would it look like for... Older women to disciple younger women. What would it look like for me to see that younger woman flourish in this community? New people coming into the community. We've talked a bit about that already. What does it look like to think of Mary or to Mark or to other new people? And as a family, we're called to meet each other's needs we understand what their needs are so that we can actually serve them in those needs a lot of this sort of expression of family relationship works around what the needs of those people are in the last little bit we'll go what's the next slide so in your needs uh, you ask God for help. It sort of comes out of the passage there, doesn't it? The widows that say, first go to God. And it's, uh, it's interesting because God will often use the church to be the answer to that prayer. God will use his family to be uh, the help to, those, uh, to, to your needs. And as I talked about before, um, that the family unit is God's design for needs to be met. And so uh, as a church, we actually try to help uh, families to help their own families. We don't actually, helping people, uh, so this is what we do at Cavell a bit, we have, uh, when helping hurts, sometimes we just want to jump in and do stuff for people. Actually, um, what we're seeking to do is to empower people to be all that God has made them to be. And they 
can see their families flourish as we support them and encourage them what would that look like to help a family in our church to see them flourish to see them be the family that God wants them to be and on the flip side of that there's some warnings in there and this is the other thing that families probably do better no they probably do more often than other places is that they confront wrongdoing <laughs> like if you're in a family and you, someone annoys you you let them know there's not too many other places in society where they you know it's that um, the people you love the most you hurt the most um, I think as a church and as a family we're learning to how to rebuke each other how to hold each other accountable how to um, live godly lives together and to call out stuff in love is something that we've got to ask God to do more and I, he calls us to do more and to recognize that that might hurt and there might be tension and brokenness in that but through that uh, God will display his grace and mercy as we become more like Christ in the way that we forgive the way we reconcile the way we um, relate to one another in those places uh, big warning about abusing the church don't abuse the church's help because the church uh, needs to be uh, who God wants it to be, needs to be displaying uh, their help. Um, and I like that idea. There's no sort of welfare mentality here that you just come in, you receive, you receive, you receive. There's a constant refrain of giving and receiving. Giving and receiving, giving and receiving, giving and receiving. You have been, you know, the classic, you've been blessed to be a blessing. How am I blessing my church? Let's wrap it up there. Last slide, I think. Well, that is the last slide. No, this is it. So as a church family, as we think about um, partnership and as we recognise that our family is messy and amazing all at the same time, think about and ask God as we leave here and as we finish this time, how am I treating my other family messy members and how am I using the blessings that God has given me to be a blessing to my family members? Let's pray. Lord and God, we ask you, um, no, we want to start by thanking you. We want to thank you that we are your family, that you are our father and that through Christ we are your children and that there is nothing that separates us from your love. We thank you that um, in Christ we are family that you have given us one another to love and care and protect and provide for, that you have um, ordained the way that we are to relate to each other. And so this morning, Father God, Lord Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd come upon us as your family here at One Hope and that you would help us to be like you in the way that we love one another. Help us to display your glory in the way we relate to one another and serve one another. And may we, as your church, display your glory in a world that needs it so much. Will you help us to so love one another that those in Scoresby and Knox and in our workplaces, in our schools, would be able to see that we are followers of Jesus. That they would see you and know you by the way that we love each other 
and those that you bring into our path. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this family. We pray that you would continue to empower us to be all that you desire us to be. In the name of Jesus, amen. We're going to sing and worship our Father who gives us uh, our identity as his family. Um, and I think this in the chorus it says, you're a good, good Father. And then I think it says, uh, it's who I am, I'm loved by you. We're going to sing, it's who we are. Okay, we're going to sing collective. Ooh, are we allowed to do that? No, we're going to do it. It's who we are. That, that we as a collective, we're the family of God and that we are loved by our Father and his love inhabits us. So let's um, sing and uh, lead us in that rhyme. <laughs>